It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's happening, Reggie? What's happening? I, I feel like we're spending a lot of time together these days with Man, you TV, can't get rid of me, man. You can't get rid podcast. of me. Now the podcast. It's man, been all good, man. Yeah, yeah, busy, jam-packed weekend, to say the least. Plenty to discuss. We're going to be recapping the rest of the NFL draft and the Vikings' new front office regime's draft hall. We'll take a look at the rest of the NFC North, how that shaped up, plus breaking down the Timberwolves' first-round exit versus the Memphis Grizzlies Friday night and previewing the Minnesota Wild Game 1 playoff series tonight as they square off against who else? The St. Louis Blues. Mm. All coming up on Superior Sports Talk. But first, make sure to check out our other daily show on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's the Ron Johnson Show featuring former Gopher and NFL receiver Ron Johnson and producer Sam Ekstrom. Get the daily opinions of an athlete-turned-broadcaster. Ron Johnson tells it like it is, whether it's Vikings, Gophers, Wolves, or Twins. Subscribe to the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel or podcast feeds so you never miss an episode. All right, well, another draft in the books, Reggie, and and for better or worse, fair or unfair, the Vikings' first-time general manager will always be tied to his first draft hall mm-hmm. as its fans' first glimpse at his draft tendencies. You know, we're looking for his philosophies as well as the kind of, you know, players and athletes he and his scouting staff are going to like to target in the future. So they also learn, fans that is, just how aggressive he is willing to mm-hmm. move up and down in the draft, even with division rivals, something that, you know, has usually been an unwritten kind of no-no in the league after they swap picks not once but twice, moving back with the Lions in round one. They selected Alabama wideout Jamison Williams and allowing the Packers access to seemingly do the same when they moved up to select NDSU wide receiver Christian Watson. Reggie, let's start there because that's kind of what fans have been having the most trouble swallowing, I think, is the risk involved trading inside the division because now you have to – you got to play these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and if they, they hit on those picks – it's just going to feel like a double whammy having to defend those guys twice a year for maybe, who knows, the next five, ten years. What would you think about those moves? So, funny enough, I asked Kwesi about those moves. I'm like, yeah. dude, you don't yeah, think that, uh, that there there's a little bit of apprehension doing that? And he was just like, no, no, you know. I definitely had to, to pause and, you know, I thought about it. But I think in the end – the gain that he felt like in value that he got was far greater than the whole like, oh, I'm trading within the division type deal because he was confident in the fact that the Vikings still have to line up and play those teams and they have to try to defend what they're going to do. I think where he sees it as as a position of strength and as a position of of almost power, if you will, mm-hmm. because he's just like, look, I know it's kind of taboo to trade within the division, and I know the guys that they got, but you know they got to find a way to beat us at the end of the day. And 
I guess when you take an, an approach like that, you're like, okay, all right. Like this guy has a, a, a couple stones, you mm. know, to, to mm. say things like that and to feel the way that he feels. And so I think you mentioned it, aggressiveness. I think this really shows how aggressive he is and, and just how much he likes to deal. I, I think we saw he made like five or six trades in this draft. I couldn't so, keep up. I couldn't yeah, keep up, it's it's kind of crazy. I, but he likes to make a deal. He was watching Wayne Brady in them on uh, <laughs> CBS. Like he, He's like, let's make a deal. And so I think that's something that, you know, as a fan, you know, you're like, okay, who is this guy? What is he about? And up until this point, it's just like, oh, man, it seems like he's been content just to run it back. And in his mind, he's like, no, like, I'm trying to build this team. I'm trying to be competitive here. And so he did the, the moves that he thought was in the best interest of the football team. And he got guys that he felt like were of the highest interest to them. I know he was talking about like getting a Caleb Evans from Mizzou, mm. like that being a guy that he was really in a dark room, just like, man, like if I can get this guy at the value that we see him at, like that was his be, guy. Yeah. I would that be was... really happy mm. about that. And he got him mm -hmm. and he ended up trading up a little bit to get him. And so I am interested to see, you know, he's not a traditional football mind, but he has been in the trenches in the football world for several years now and so I am interested to see if the research that he's done you know the charts that he sets up if that is really going to pay off in the long run because you know a guy coming over from Wall Street making a move into the football world you're just like well what does this guy know about you know building personnel and all that and I think he's a smart enough guy to understand you know, how a football team works. And he's put the time in and put the work in with some elite football minds. And so now this is his first time to be able to show and prove what he can do. And I'm interested to see how these picks pay off. I think a lot of fans were worried about the lack of experience, like you said. The Wall mm -hmm. Street guy, Mr. Hashtag Analytics, Mr. Harvard coming over. What does he know about mm -hmm. football? But I look at his track record in Cleveland he was part of a couple great draft classes in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. And then before that, in San Francisco under John Lynch, man, they put together some great draft classes too. So mm -hmm. he was able to see what and how that unfolded, those you know those solid draft classes and what that looked like and carry that with them here to Minnesota. And the other thing about trading inside the division that, again, you asked it at TCO, the press conference with Quasi. The other thing he mentioned to you was – Who's to say that these teams aren't going to move up anyways? Even though I really like that value, I can't trade within the division. Maybe the Lions move all the way up to 13 anyways and take Jamison Williams. So yeah. I think that was a really smart case against why you shouldn't handcuff yourself against limiting three more teams that you can trade with, being, mm -hmm. again, the Packers, Lions, and Bears. And uh, it was definitely interesting to say the least. Something, again, NFL hasn't seen in a long time. He did it not just once, but twice. And and we don't know how these bold moves are going to shake out for at least a few years. But right. for now, at minimum, I do tip my hat to Quasey for breaking some of those old molds and stereotypes around the draft and being aggressive in his own way. Again, forget about the mocks. Forget about the experts, Mel Kuypers, McShay. Go get your guys. I mean, mm -hmm. you studied these guys. He liked the cornerback from Missouri a whole heck of a lot. He was a little aggressive. He gave up next year's four to move up, but he got mm -hmm. his guy. I mean, that's his guy. That empty feeling you're left with 
when you miss out and somebody gets sniped, mm-hmm. no worse feeling, I'm sure, for a GM and scouting staff. If you put all the time, the effort, the interviews, the tape grinding, I'm glad he got his guys. And there is a lot to be excited about. I mean, starting mm-hmm. with the totally revamped secondary, bringing in three big pieces, mm-hmm. including that first-round pick, Lewis Seen, and two cornerbacks, one being Andrew Booth Jr. I mentioned this to you before on Friday. If you would have told me you would have got Andrew Booth Jr. somewhere in the middle of the first round, I think a lot of fans would have been awfully excited. So both guys can fly all over the place. They're big, Mm -hmm. physically imposing players who smack you like a ton of bricks. I mean, the Vikings secondary added a lot more attitude over the weekend, and that was their most pressing need. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, even though he did a lot of wheeling and dealing to get there, ultimately that's got to be a huge win for Kwesi. Would you agree? I do agree, and it's funny because, like, you you mentioned him being aggressive and losing next year's fourth-round pick to get up and draft a Caleb Evans, and – I think what's funny about that is I am not crying over these picks if I am a Vikings fan because everything that we saw in this draft seems to tell me that next year, that fourth round pick that he lost out mm. on, probably he'll gain it back. <laughs> yeah. He'll as find much a way. as he likes to as much as he likes to will and deal and make moves. And so I think what's interesting is is he went after the guys, as you said, that he wanted. And he got them at the value that he wanted them at. It's so funny because, you know, Booth kind of had these injury issues or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that caused him to fall maybe out of the first round when you kind of have a first round grade on a guy like that. And so he even talked about it. um, Andrew Booth Jr. did when it was time for him to address the media after he got drafted. And he was just like, man, look, I know what people are thinking about me, but like, you know, his his goal is to come into the league and, and set it on fire. And so he seems to be motivated to do that. You know, funny enough, and this is a, a really off the beaten path comparison, but I remember back in the day, there was a guy who thought who was thought to be injury prone um, in his college career. And he ended up being one of the greatest Vikings of all time. And I'm talking about Adrian Peterson. And so. You know, like I said, these are two completely know. different case studies, obviously. But, you know, it's it's interesting because maybe, you know, there have been times where there have been college players who have gotten uh, a lot of injuries and then they got into the league and they are a pillar of health. Mm. And so that's something that maybe you hope for when you look at Booth because you're just like, well, maybe he got all the injuries out of the way and he's ready to go out and ball. He has the capabilities. He's one of the most talented uh, players in this draft regardless of position and so it's like look if he can stay healthy if he can get under the tutelage and mentorship of Patrick Peterson watch out because like they they probably got a steal in that second round that was probably like best case scenario to be able to grab him and they were able to do that even after trading back and they were like oh okay okay this board is kind of falling let's trade back up yeah, <laughs> and get Booth and, and make sure we get the guy that we really wanted. Because what you don't want is you trade back so much and then all of a sudden you lose out on the guys that you had on your board. And so Kwesi acknowledged that and and he understood that and he went up and did what he had to do. They did get that wide receiver, though, probably way later than many people mm. 
thought oh, no that doubt. it was going to happen, but they got a speedster with uh, Jalen Naylor. And so yes. interested to see how he kind of develops. But as we've seen in the last couple of years, the, the Vikings love them some some Big Ten receivers, don't they? And you know Kevin O'Connell was just itching. I mean, that foot oh, yeah. was pacing up and down going, hey, when's it? <laughs> hey, I'm all for defense, man, but when's it my turn, man? You yeah. know, I mean, I, I need something here to go to bed and sleep easy at night. <laughs> the dude's nickname is literally – it's speedy. So, yeah. I mean, this guy did not – I looked it up. This guy did not drop a pass over mm. 20 yards his entire Michigan State career. Wow. A really good addition just for depth, man. Again, a lot of three, four, five wide receiver looks. Uh, Going to be interesting for sure to see how it all pans out. Feels like a couple steals, though, in there for Kwesi and, in his first draft. Just scanning the rest yeah. of the league. I mean, the Ravens just exploded off the page for me, stealing two number one players at the positions. Kyle Hamilton at safety, Tyler Linden at center and didn't even have to trade up to go get him who else in the nfl kind of caught your eye as a big winner during the weekend and i, I real quick i want to go back to yeah. what you said about yeah. uh, getting value at the receiver position what we saw with the rams mm. is kind of similar to what Good we're point. seeing with the vikings like i think van jefferson was like a third round pick yeah yep Good you point. know like they are getting good value with guys that they think that can come in and play well in their system yes and i think kevin o'connell is kind of taking a page out of the rams playbook and it's just like look we don't care when we draft the guy i am confident in my offensive system and that we can grab a guy get him into this system and make him be a productive player for us and so when you got a guy like that who's a speedster i think kevin o'connell has a use for him and we'll see how that kind of develops moving forward but everything that we've seen from like his coaching tree shows that they can just kind of grab a guy and turn him into what they need him to be in that offense. Now, going back to the question you asked about who caught my eye, yeah. I think for me, the two teams that really kind of blew it out of the water, and you never have said this after a draft <laughs> of either of these two teams, the Jets Ooh. and the Lions. Man. They got some great picks, man, great especially in that, in that first round, dude. Like, you know, it, it sucks that they had to trade up with the Vikings to get Jamison Williams, but, like, mm -hmm. if he recovers from that ACL injury and is the Jamison Williams that we saw at Alabama, man, watch out, man. Mm -hmm. Watch out defending that guy. St. Louis, stand up, Jamison Williams representing St. Louis. And then, yes, you know, sir. getting Aiden Hutchinson, having him fall, number two. There oh. was a lot of people saying that Jacksonville really fumbled the bag. Uh, drafting Walker oh, no number doubt. one over round. We'll see what happens with that. We'll they, they took the guy that they were comfortable with. But mm -hmm. seeing a guy like Hutchinson just fall to the Lions' lap, like, and then seeing Sauce just fall right to the Jets, mm. like, mm. it's just kind of crazy. And then they got they got a running back later in the in the Brees second Hall. round. Yeah, yeah. Like they got a, your boy Brees Garrett Wilson. Yeah, yeah Garrett, and Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson is, is Jermaine a, is Johnson a dude. was my guy. They got him like late yeah, first round. Like, like they dude, crushed, this man. hall, they this it. hall is awesome. And so, you know, getting a guy like Robert Sala, who's a defensive mind, and him getting a couple guys on that defensive end on the back end and in the front seven that, you know, can kind of wreck things. Like, I am interested to see how they build this thing. If Zach Wilson can take a step forward now that he has a top flight number one receiver in Garrett Wilson now, too, like, man, watch out, man. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. And I've never said that about the Jets before in my life.
No, and same can be said about the Lions, too. Just feels yeah. like a different identity and energy over there with Dan Campbell. Mm-hmm. You saw the way they, yeah, they lost some games, but the way they battled and fought, sounds cliche, but watch the games. I mean, yeah. they're not the same old Lions that we're used to anymore. And now you get Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Paschal, two guys that just love the game of football. Josh Paschal was a three-time captain at Kentucky, mm. almost unheard of in college football. The guy just lives football. And now you add him with Aiden Hutchinson. And again, under a mentor like Dan Campbell, mm. man, watch out. The one thing I'll say about Jamison Williams, I know we're going way over, but last thing about the draft, Jamison Williams, whenever I thought about Jamison Williams getting drafted, I always thought about him going to a team where he could step in as that number two or three receiver and be a luxury, take the top off the defense, like the Eagles or, you know, another team that already was kind of set at mm-hmm. wide out, and then you bring in this third superstar speedster that can take the top off and create mismatches. It's going to be interesting for me because I never thought about him as like a true number one wide out on a team. I know they got Armand St. Brown, but he's going to be the guy. And it's just going to be interesting because, again, not that it's wrong by any means. It's just a different train of thought that when I thought about Jamison Williams getting drafted, mm-hmm. I didn't think about him again as the pillar in that wide receiver room. Certainly, again, risky moves by by both teams but man the ceiling and the payoff could be absolutely huge vikings mm-hmm. will know soon enough one way or the other <laughs> whether jamison williams is gonna pan out we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed 93 percent of employers agree indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right. Timberwolves, man, they gave it a go. Mm. They left everything out on the table during round one of the playoffs. Blood, sweat, and tears were shed. But in the end, it was the Memphis Grizzlies who took care of business. And they look like the more complete team. They finished out games strong night in and night out ultimately taking down the Wolves in six games, beating Minnesota 114-106 Friday night. Reggie, a lot more closely contested and heated of a matchup I think a lot of people expected as the Wolves, just the seven seed, started the series out, stealing game one in Memphis. And it looked like at times they were clearly the better of the two teams, despite the Grizzlies' number two seed status. So plenty for the Wolves to learn and grow from here. Just your initial thoughts on that disappointing round one exit for the Wolves, despite owning big leads and showcasing some of that just amazing talent on the floor for most of the series. They got to learn how to close, man. That's it. They got to learn how to close. The, The problem with the Timberwolves is they are too talented for their own good. And sometimes they relied on that talent down the stretch when they should have just played basketball, played the type of basketball that got them, you know, the the double-digit leads that they got. I think it's very interesting, man. It's very interesting because what what we saw yesterday with the Grizzlies playing against the the Warriors is they have a lot of grit to them. Mm -hmm. But even against a more experienced team like the Warriors – there's a lesson for them to learn and them learning how to close because they didn't get a chance to close that game out. And, and maybe some watching that game, I think I was watching that game thinking that Memphis at times looked like the better team. And they ended up losing. 
And it's just so funny because in that last series, it was the opposite. And, uh, like, you can't be a Timberwolves fan and watch the series and think back on the series and just think, like, man, we messed up. We blew it. We blew it. It stings, man. And it's only because, like, the Wolves just haven't been there before yet, and they don't know how it is to close games out. And really, how it is is do what got you there to get you over the top. You know, at times they were playing some great basketball. Ball movement was on point. You know, like, you know, Cass making buckets. Ant is making great shots. And then, you know, they talked about it before the game. You know, Chris Finch was like, look, we got to stop playing hero ball when things slow down. And it's like, look, they haven't been there before, so they don't know how else to be. They're like, look, uh, we're just going to do it. You know, Cat jacks up that, that long three out of nowhere and, and misses. And that just kind of seemed to to help turn the tide. Tyus Jones comes through with the clutch three at the at the buzzer, at the shot clock buzzer, and it's just like, dang, man, here dirty. we go. Did him here dirty. we go. And so I think I think one thing that the the Wolves can learn from this is just how to how to be a better closer. And it really just takes experience. You know, now they've been in these experiences where they've lost these leads. They've blown these double-digit leads several times. And that should fire them. That should that should fuel them to be better and to kind of revise and, and go back to the, the lab to see what they can do better to help themselves get over the hump. Because what we've seen is that they are talented enough to play with anybody. It's just them being able to to learn how to win and not only learn how to win but win consistently you kind of touched on it right there so this may be kind of a hard question to answer but i mean where do we go from here right as a whole this Mm -hmm. season was a huge success Mm -hmm. i mean a lot of experts didn't have the wolves winning what 30 games or so overall so a lot to build off but i mean i guess specifically outside of just experience which there's not a lot you can do again during an off season or draft Mm -hmm. or uh you know building in the regular season what needs to happen moving forward for this young, inexperienced team to take that next step? I think maybe they need a little bit more than Pat Bev. Okay, I think there he was go. he was sure. a great piece to add, he was, and man. and yep. he'll he'll continue to help them, you know, moving forward and kind of be that veteran mind and that veteran presence to mm-hmm. to help them out. But I think they need another veteran to come in there and be able to give them some valuable minutes. And I don't know how they add that veteran in there uh, in the mix, but they need to add a guy, I think, to get them some, like, I've been here before mentality to, you know, help them kind of, you know, get out of some of their habits when the chips get down and they want to play hero ball. Like, this guy is just like, okay, yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, like, they had that guy in in Jimmy Butler years mm. ago, but he was just so daggone toxic here and couldn't get along with right. with his teammates that it just didn't work out long term. And so I just think that with a, another year of maturation, you know, now they've been to the playoffs. Now it's an expectation that they should be going back with the talent assembled because the we've seen, set. yeah, yeah, we've seen that they have it. And so now it's learning from this experience and maybe grabbing like another piece of some sort, a veteran player of some Mm -hmm. kind to help them get over the top. 
Closing out here just real quick, I, you know, I want to hand out some quick just end-of-the-season awards. I was going to ask you the cliche, who is the MVP, Cat or Ant, but I want to change that a little bit and tweak it. More so, I want to say, is there any question moving forward who the leader, the the building block, the cornerstone of this team is? Is it still Cat, or there's some rumblings that maybe it's it's time for Ant to try to take this team over and, and, and you know, put the team on, on his back and shoulders moving forward? So here's the thing. And allow me to step on this soapbox a little bit. Now, look. Yes, sir. I am not blind to the fact that Cat has some improving to do, okay? No doubt. I, I understand that. And he knows that. And there are some times that, you know, he has put himself in some bad positions out there on the floor. And he said some things that you're mm. just like, okay, Cat, like, let, let's just dial it back just a little <laughs> bit. Okay? It, it's okay. It's we, all right. Was that necessary? You're right. But I will say there are so many people so quick to dunk on Cat. No, you're right. And I think the issue is, is like, He's still growing as a player, and everybody's like, look, you're seven now going yep. into year. Like, he's not a, a young guy anymore. He need, mm -hmm. But, like, honestly, like, you, you're talking about a guy that has only been to the playoffs twice now. Mm -hmm. The first time, he really was a little hamstrung. This time, he was trying to figure it out. And so you would hope that in the natural evolution of a player – that the next time he goes to the playoffs, he'll learn a little bit more from these past two experiences and he'll go out and dominate like Shaq wants him to do. <laughs> and so I think it's interesting because this is still a team that goes as Cat goes. And no, no. Yep. I do say that Ant is the guy that you definitely want to build around, but I think he needs Cat there to help share some of the load. And so to answer your question, yeah, it's it's a it's an Anthony Edwards world that we're living in right now. I mm. think we've seen it. He grew up in this playoff series. The dude is a dude. He's, He's a, dude. a burgeoning superstar in this league. But so is Cat. Mm. So let's not be so quick to just write him off because they wouldn't be in this position if not for Cat. And so you kind of got to put some respect on his name. You know, I know he does some things that maybe people are just like, they're tired of it. But my question is, and it has been to all the people that are crying about cat is like, what other recourse do you have? You ship away on an all-star player and you probably don't get the type of value that, mm. that you deserve for a guy like that. So you might as well just stick in there, allow the guy to continue to mature, continue to grow. And, and see where it leads you because the dude is talented and he's only going to continue to get better. He, I really don't even think he's reached his prime yet. And at 26 years old, who has? You know what I mean? Like, he still has some very, very, very good basketball left in him moving forward. And I think that the Timberwolves will be a direct beneficiary of it. Build around Cat and Ant. Very well said. How about the uh, best six man for the Wolves? Handing out some quick awards here. Best six man coming off the bench. Uh, is there one guy that uh, just kind of jumps out for you? J-Mac. Jordan McLaughlin. Love the that. The dude is a dude. Like, I like his game a lot. And how about him getting critical minutes down dude. the stretch in that game over D'Lo? 
as a surface fan, man, I, I sat down and watched those playoffs start to finish. I was so impressed with him. I mean, I was ever get looking at him, triple checking him, like, wait a minute, who's this guy again? Because, mm-hmm. like, like you said, stealing minutes from D'Lo, I guess we got to touch on that real quick. Ten seconds is the writing on the wall for D'Lo to, you know, hit the uh, the trade machine here this offseason. I think they they take some calls. I think they filled for some sure. calls, but once again, like you traded D'Lo for Wiggins, and so it's just like, okay, what type of value are you gonna get for a D'Lo? I think if you want maybe like a true traditional point guard, you know, I mean, maybe you shouldn't have got rid of Ricky Rubio, mm-hmm. but I think you have to you have to find a player who is complementary to Cat and Ant. And D'Lo seems to be that guy, but he's so inconsistent on the floor. Mm. And I question his basketball IQ so much sometimes because he does some things that you're just like, what are you doing? Mm. But I think you keep him unless you can find good value for him because, like, you know, he's a he's a piece. And, at, and we've seen at times that he can positively affect the basketball. I mean, look at the play-in game. He can positively affect basketball games, but it's so like hit or miss, it seems, that maybe you try to find someone who you feel like could be consistent. So I think you keep the the, the line open. You're, you're like looking at the phone like, hey, call me. And then you're looking at the phone waiting on it to light up about D-Lo. But I don't think you're just like, Oh, we just we got to get rid of this guy because, like I said, what do you get for him? That that's exactly it. And you know me, spending all this time during the pre-draft process, I'm all about finding value. And you don't just mm-hmm. get rid of the guy just to get rid of him. You try to at least maximize some value. Still a household name. I mean, mm-hmm. definitely not a guy that again you're just going to kick to the streets just because he got a little cold during that last stretch of the playoffs. So yeah. uh, Grizzlies, by the way, did lose game one last night to the Warriors. Going to be interesting yeah. to see who comes out of that series and into the conference finals, no doubt. All right, my favorite segment is here. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat, covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports called What Does It Mean? But first, do you want smart post-game reaction from insiders that cover your favorite teams? Check out our Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Get instant reactions from our Locked On team hosts along with prominent reporters like Kevin Gorg for The Wild and Brandon Warren for The Twins. No fluff. Just 10 minutes of straight analysts after each game. Subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota on YouTube and never miss a podcast. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Reggie. You ready to jump into my favorite segment, What Does It Mean? Covering all the latest hot topics in Minnesota sports. You ready? Let's do it. Your first place division twins won last mm. night. That feels good to say. Versus the Rays 9-3 <laughs> and have won nine of their last ten. In his MLB debut, Josh Weiner pitched six shutout innings and got the victory, showing huge promise as a potential piece of the twins rotation. Mm-hmm. However, Sony Gray, Bailey Ober, and Kenta Maeda all on the DL. What does it mean for the lack of the current depth the twins rotation currently faces? I think they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. I think it means that they got some depth. 
Yeah, that, they're weathering the storm right now. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like you got some guys that are going in and and performing swimmingly mm-hmm. under these circumstances, and I think it it makes you kind of look at the future, and you're just like, okay, okay, we we like this, we like this. You know, you 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 think when you get Sonny Gray back, you know that it'll continue to help bolster this staff. Uh, probably not going to get Kenta Maeda back. Uh, for a while he 60 day DL, the, i believe yeah well he had the he had the tommy john surgery in oh, september right. of last year and so mm-hmm. usually you're looking at a year a year okay. and a month usually okay. and now we're talking about like mm. you know getting into the really getting into the postseason play right. which you hope that they are and they mm-hmm. will be and that's just kind of weird to bring a guy back for mm. the playoffs you know such a high stakes uh position but right so put but him I think, in the back of your mind. Yeah, but but what I think is is like having these guys on the IL and then going to these youngsters and, and having them perform well along with the bats that you expect to show up day in and day out. I think you are very, very, very confident and, and you're very encouraged about where the twins are headed. And, you know, it's so funny because Dylan Bundy came out on Friday and you're just like, dang, man, like mm. – here we go. Like, okay, you were just waiting on the other shoe to drop, and it dropped. Here we go. But what I think is interesting is, like, you don't expect Dylan Bundy to come out and give up six earned runs like he did on Friday. And I think what's cool is the the Twins bounce back in the next two games and show that they, you know, can can really put it on teams. And that's encouraging to see if you're a Twins fan as well is, like, look, they're not allowing this to put them in a slump. Each day is a new day, and the pitchers are going out, and they're not having the same performance as the last pitcher. And I think what's encouraging to see is that, you know, as you kind of get some of these guys off the injured list, and then, you know, if something happens and Bundy does struggle, I think what you've seen is that maybe, you know, this is really getting out there, but maybe you can turn Bundy into a long reliever or Mm, something down the stretch. If if you need to, if he struggles in that starter role, Mm -hmm. because you got guys that you can call on to make a spot start and maybe they're not a spot starter. Maybe they are a consistent starter for that rotation, like the, the young guy yesterday. And so I think it's encouraging for twins fans that, you know, Pitching was was really the concern and continues to be the concern when you talk about like the performances that the bullpen has had inconsistent. But I think you are encouraged seeing what you saw this weekend. Like, okay, we can hang despite, you know, any shortcomings that we may have. Yeah, Twins had a seven-game streak, snapped against the Rays in that game one, but bounced back to win those last two, win the series 9-1 and one mm-hmm. in the last 10. Like I mentioned, they got a four-game series starting tonight at mm-hmm. Baltimore. Chris Paddock on the mound looking for his first win, even though his last two outings have been really solid. All right, yeah. next up, what does it mean? The Minnesota Wilds start their playoff run against who else? The St. Louis Blues tonight at home at the XL Energy Center after squeaking by them for the two seed in the division. What does it mean for their chances to break the curse against one of their biggest rivals they went 0-3 against during the regular season? Now, look, the last time, you know, the Blues – well, the first time the Blues were here this season Mm -hmm. was in the Winter Classic. That's right. And, you know, the the Wild didn't start that game like they wanted. But, you know, they came back and made a game of it. And so I think Mm – 
you know, what they've shown this season is that they can play with any team mm -hmm. and they have the capabilities to beat any team. You know, they can get down two, three, four goals and still come back, take you to overtime and win it. And so it's just funny, man. It's like if you're a competitor, you're just like, let's go. Because you're like, okay, look, 0-3 in the regular season. All right, bring it on. This is the playoffs now. It means a little bit more now. We went and got Marc-Andre Fleury to go in net. We got Cam Talbot playing the best hockey of his career right now. Like, let's go then. Let's do this. Like, if you're a competitor, you're like, let's go. And so it 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 makes it it makes it that much sweeter if you can go ahead and get into this series and and take down the blues to move forward. And it kind of sucks. I was talking to Aaron Sickman with the Wild the other day. It's just like, dang, man, it kind of sucks that, you know. The first round, you got to go against a tough team like this. But it's just like, look, it's the playoffs. Like, if you want to if you want to get to where you want to go, you're going to have to beat teams like this anyway. So you might as well get it out of the way first. And so if you're the Wild, and, and we know this about the Wild, seeing them this season, they are gamers. Like, they are ready. And so it's just like, look, bring it on. Let's see what happens. And, you know, hopefully this thing is is thrilling. It's entertaining. I expect it to be. And we'll see if the Wild can do what they didn't do. Like, even just getting one win is something mm. different than what they've done in the regular season because they went winless against this team. So it's, it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, a team that you went winless against in the regular season, somehow you're going to find a way to, to beat them four times. But I think, you know, if they want to get to where they want to go, they got to do it. Be the best. Got to beat the best anyways. Why not get them right out the gate? Last time yep. the Wild had home ice advantage in a playoff series was fittingly against the Blues in the first round of 2017 when they Ooh. lost in six games. How about that, though? They grind those last two, three weeks to get that two seed, nudge the Blues out, and then mm -hmm. what's their reward? The oh, Blues. going to play the Blues anyway? <laughs> what? Wait, wait, that's what we what, – that's it? Uh, at least you get some home cooking. You yeah, know? that's true. Yeah, in front of the home <laughs> ice. You're right. All right, last one. When it came to the biggest storylines throughout the NFL draft, it had to be the lack of quarterback picks early that was the biggest shocker. Mm -hmm. What does it mean when trying to assess the league's view on this year's quarterback class? And which landing spot did you like the best? I think it means that everything that we were hearing coming into this draft was all true and i think we as like fans and and some of the media and you know just as draft nuts you know you're just like man of course you can't just like not take quarterbacks in the first round like this is a quarterback league that what do you mean and it's just like no like they were trying to tell us like they weren't as high on this year's quarterbacks as years past and it's just like dang like time went on and you're just like dang Kenny Pickett went in the first round and then mm -hmm. when are we going to see the next quarterback taken and so it's interesting because when i look at some of the places where the quarterbacks went you know you you look at Sam Howell going to the Commanders you look at Malik Willis going to Tennessee i think that's a great spot for Malik honestly i i do think that the Tennessee offense has kind of regressed mm -hmm. you know they they lost uh their offensive coordinator who's now the the head coach of the Falcons and i didn't think that their offense looked all that great last season and so you kind of wonder if the Titans have the staff that will help maximize 
and get the most out of Malik Willis. But I think that is a great position for him to go to because he doesn't have to worry about playing right away. A lot of people always talked about how green he is and and just how raw he is as a talent and he needs to develop and so he goes to that situation where he kind of is you know like a Patrick Mahomes and gets to learn under Alex Smith you know gets to sit back and and just kind of learn the game learn the league and and really see moving forward if he's a guy that you can just kind of let it rip with because I think there is some question about Ryan Tannehill and his long-term viability as a starter with Tennessee but you know, I, I Matt Corral was an interesting pick for me. You yep. know, I think you know you you kind of see what he can do in that regard, and so it's just it's just interesting. Like they really didn't value this quarterback class as, as they as they thought. You know, I, I would hope that you know Desmond Ritter gets a chance to kind of sit back and and learn the the pro game behind you know Mariota. Marcus Mariota, yeah, and so. For sure. You just want to see, and and he and Mariota are kind of similar quarterbacks in that regard, where they can beat you with the legs, but you know they can they can you know I think Ritter maybe has a little bit more of a stronger arm than Mariota does, and mm-hmm. he can just kind of launch it out there. And it's so funny he he came into the the you know the post draft process talking about Atlanta's going to get a Super Bowl out of me. It's like whoa 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 whoa. whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute, Dad. Hold up, like, Chief. It's Hold okay. Up. It's okay. You don't have to do that. I, I right. understand. You know, it's don't put that type of pressure on yourself coming in. Like just go in there, learn. I think he he landed in a great spot to learn from Arthur Smith, um, and I I I like that spot for him. But we'll just see kind of how things develop. You know, Kenny Pickett talked about how you know Mitch Trubisky has been one of his mentors since forever. And now he gets to go and play under him. And I think they would love to see Pickett be the quarterback of their future. But, you know, kind of see what what money-making Mitch can do Mm. for this season. You know, I think what's cool is all these quarterbacks kind of got a chance to get into a situation where they can sit for a bit. And I think that may ultimately prove to be a great thing for this quarterback class. And maybe we see some greater success out of these guys because maybe they aren't thrust into that starting role right away. Sorry, just give me one minute here, Reggie. Just wrapping up my 2023 NFL mock draft. Oh, here. my God, uh, dude. Done. Okay, I'll be sure uh, to send that over to you here shortly, okay? Don't oh worry. Oh, my God. Reggie's going to be sick if he sees one more mock draft in the next eight months, so don't do it. <laughs> All right, that's that's you're in the clear here, buddy, for about three and a half weeks. I promise. Three right. and a half Todd, Mc, weeks. Todd McShay's 2023 mock draft just just posted, I think. All right, Reggie, you survived the gauntlet once again. Back here tomorrow, a.m., breaking down the wild game one playoff matchup versus the Blues, Twins recap versus the Orioles, and plenty more. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on CARE11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of the Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, Be blessed. Spread love this week. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.